0: Hello Central New York and hello hockey fans all across the internet and welcome to the Central New York Hockey Report. I'm your host Scott Kinville and boy do we got a fantastic show lined up for everybody tonight. Uh, you know I, I've mentioned this time and time and again, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I, I don't care, you can say that in December all you want. For me it's October because hockey is certainly back and we have got one heck of a show lined up for everybody tonight. Tonight is our Syracuse Crunch season preview show. Yes, indeed. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see on the screen that I have brought in the experts for tonight. Uh, very excited for this show. Before we bring our guests in, I want to bring my guest co-host in tonight. Our guest co-host is the host of the Syracuse Speaks podcast. Uh, she is the Syracuse Crunch expert, if you ask me. She is the one. She is the only. Alex Ackerman. How are you, Alex?
1: I'm
2: doing well. How are you tonight?
0: I am fantastic. You can see I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. All right. And so I'm going to bring our guest right in here because, like I said, I've been looking very forward to this. Our guest is indeed the owner of the Syracuse Crunch. He is Mr. Howard Dolgan. Howard, how are you? I'm doing great.
3: How are you guys doing?
0: I am doing fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show and taking the time to be with us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. So I'm sure you are quite busy right about now getting ready for the the big start of the season, your 30th year. In Syracuse
3: you know yeah when people mention 30 you, you you think for a couple of minutes and realize wow that's a long time right I mean 1994 sometimes it seems like it was yesterday and we got started on this back in 93 actually in April of 93 but it's uh, in some respect it, it, it feels like yesterday and in others it it really feels like a long time ago. But uh you know, for me at least it, it, it's been a life changer. And uh, I'm forever grateful to have, have had the opportunity to, to to help bring a team to Syracuse and to have the kind of support we've had from our fans and our corporate partners to still be alive and kicking, you know, in two thousand twenty three.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and what a heck of a job you've done. Uh, You did an interview with Brent Axe a couple weeks ago, and it was a fantastic interview. Uh, Great guy, by the way. And uh, you had mentioned the story of how the Crunch came about. And in that story, you had mentioned that prior to the Crunch, you were a promoter and that you were a big hockey guy. So if you could just expand on that a little bit more.
3: Well, from a hockey fan standpoint, I actually, uh, my brother, my father and I got ranges and tickets and I think it was 1970, 70, 71 season up in the blue seats. So we we're up. Oh, wow. Real fans. We you know the cheap seats, right? Uh, I think we were between, a, I know we were section 411, right? And we really, there were probably like to close to every home game, you know, for years. And I played hockey, not at a, at a high level, but I just really connected with the sport. Uh, wound up, having a career in sports through PR and marketing where I was representing, you know, some major brands, you know, including Wheaties, uh, Gillette, uh, MasterCard, and, and representing them in their sports sponsorship. So I, I was implementing and creating programs for them to, to, to build their brand recognition and, and whatnot uh, for the company uh, I, I was a partner in. So when the opportunity came to combine that passion with my passion for hockey and to actually take the big leap into owning a team or trying to own a team, I felt for me, it was a real idyllic situation if I was successful. And it was probably, well, it was certainly the only sport that I would have, you know, taken a chance in an ownership position.
0: Yeah, it's an absolutely incredible story, and and you know it's it's been said before with with the city of Syracuse and the Syracuse sports market. Of course, the Syracuse Orange do take up a, a lot of a lot of space. Football and basketball are very popular. Um, in the off season, you have baseball, which is very popular there as well. Um, but you have made the Syracuse Crunch work there, and it's obviously worked very well for thirty seasons. Uh, so, tell us a little bit about some of the different marketing strategies you guys made work throughout the years.
3: Well, when you say you have made it. I mean, I, I appreciate the compliment, but it's far from just me. Oh, it. sure, absolutely. I mean, you know, people know my name, and you know, know that I took the initial plunge in, and you know, have remained active. But I've been blessed, really, with not only a, a an unbelievably loyal and energetic staff. But one that, you know, we, you know, has been with me a long time, many, many of the staff members. I mean, I grew up with Vance Lederman. And so we go back, you know, I hate to say but over 60 years. I hate to say that <laughs> because of Vance, but because of the aging process. You know, Jim Cerosi started out with me as an intern. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we just celebrated. We, had, we, we, we threw a 50th surprise party for him the end of july his birthday is august 11th but we we wanted to surprise him you know megan Cahill, uh andrew marino uh you know up until a few weeks ago mark hayes so we've been real fortunate to have long-term people that have enjoyed what they're doing and believe what we're doing so but really from the get-go and You know our philosophy was and this is going back in 94 where very few sports teams in general were doing anything but putting games on Mm -hmm. and letting the fans either enjoy the actual game whether it was hockey football basketball baseball and not supporting it with in arena activity uh creative marketing outside of the arena to try to you know, not only build your brand, but, you know, try to gain fans and excitement. And from day one, we decided that, you know, our core to core expertise was building brands, doing big events. We did a lot of big boxing events over the years. We worked at the Olympics and the World Cup soccer. So we had seen things at, at a high level and we felt that if we were going to bring a team to the market, we wanted the people in Syracuse to, you know, not be stuck with a minor league label. I mean, we're a minor league team only because we're not an NHL team, but in no way, shape or form did we want to behave like one. We didn't want to be corny. We we always wanted our fans to, to, to get that major league experience. And that's why we took a chance in 2010, became the first team in the American League to put on a, an outdoor game. And there was a risk. I mean, we had no idea when we announced it that it would be as successful. We were hopeful or we knew we had uh, the right people running it. And the difference that people really don't understand when the NHL does an outdoor game is the NHL staff that runs it from soup to nuts. We have a, at the time, I think I have 12 full-time staffers and interns. And we were running a full schedule of games in the arena, and now we had a special event. And, you know, like I think I mentioned on, on, on Brent's podcast, we had, we had prisoners shoveling snow <laughs> because we had to, and building stands. I mean, and I was thank, thankful that Joni Mahoney, who was county kind of executive, was, you know, terrific in providing in, in help. Chuck Schumer, who was the US Senator, was real helpful. You know, the mayor's representative at the time uh, was great. You know, so everyone bought in. The corporate world bought in. And then our fans embraced it. And because they believed what we were trying to do, and I think to a degree, or to a large degree, appreciated that attempt. And they proved, you know, that we're a big market when it comes to, you know, supporting big events. And then four years later, we go to the the old carry to them that, you know, building an ice ar- arena is tough outdoors in February. It's tougher indoors in November when there's no air conditioning to go.
0: Sure. Absolutely.
3: I realize that. So we have to, we had to bring in generators. We had a, a fuel. I mean, it was a, and, and, and the toughest part about that was when that game ended, we had, we had purchased 50 sledgehammers and staff interns we're literally chopping the ice because they had a basketball game there in two days. <laughs> so when we when we signed our with and we knew it with the, the dome, they said, "Okay, you could start building the Saturday before because you need time to get the ice right." Right? They said, but after that game, that ice has to be chopped up. So they were our staff was there all night long. Wow! But, but you know, again, our, our goal was we don't want. The, the people in the market to get the same old, same old. And we were going to be different. We were going to be edgy, but we also believed the hockey was at a high level. And now 30 years later, you know, uh, Alex, you know, firsthand the hockey is, is, is so good. Like oh, it's yeah. so good that if you didn't know you were in an AHR arena, and you put a lightning uniforms on our guys and jersey uniforms on Utica, you think you're watching an NHL game on a lot of nights. And I don't think you get that in other minor league sports. Now you have college football, right? And there's a real disparity in talent. Minor league baseball, you know, you don't get the kind of movement where players who play a minor league actually, you know, 90% of our players play in the NHL. I mean, that's a lot, sure. right? So our fans are seeing the, the second best league in the world. You know, we're better than the KHL, we're better than the Swiss League, we're better than the Swiss League League. You know, it's a real high level of play. And it's a tough league to make the jump from either college or junior where you've had great success. And then you come to our league and it's like, you know, why can't I score? And we've had players that, you know, have been, you know, had tough times, you know, both physically performing and then it's the mental breakdown.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned with with the outdoor game and the game at the Dome that the AHL does not contribute for, for the budgets for that. And nor do they, they contribute for travel budgets, which could really, you know, you really got to be able to, to massage your budget, so to speak, when you're talking about road trips and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, well, we know like Vance, Liederman and is all about finances, and you know, one thing about Vance, you know, he was he was, he started off as a collector, right, uh, of, of uh, for a couple of big uh, steel companies. Vance gets the money, right? And Vance Vance gets the best deals. Like, like, Vance will book the hotel rooms the minute the schedule comes out, right? And the flights and the bus trips and it's all that. And and that's part of, you know, that's part of doing business, right? And as our league expanded, you know, our our overnight road trips have increased. So we don't, we used to go to, you know, uh, Albany, Adirondack and, and Binghamton. And between the three of them, we probably had let's say an average of 15 or 30 games total, right? 15 Mm -hmm. home 15 away. Those are 15 non-overnights that we've lost. So, you know, if you do the math, we're putting up, let's say, 30 people at least every road trip. There's per diem, there's hotel rooms, there's the cost of the bus. If you're flying, there's the cost of air travel. So our expenses, just by those three teams not being the league anymore, have increased. But we've tried to keep our, our ticket price low. If you look at the league, we're probably in the bottom third. Uh, you know, I, I think, we, we, you know, listen, we, we've been fortunate to have great corporate support. So we're able to keep our ticket prices reasonable. But, you know, costs go up, our expense to Tampa goes up, our affiliation agreement, uh, our rate goes up, which is normal. You know, my salaries go up to my employees, which it should go, but it's business. And, sure. you know, you, you have to be prepared and uh, do the best you can. So that's interesting. We, I'm sorry, Alex,
2: No, that's. I was just thinking that you mentioned, you talked about those big events. You talked about how much the, the quality and the caliber of hockey has gone up. But one of the things I love about the fact that the Crunch is still a minor league team is that the heart, just seems a little bit different than at the NHL level. When I think about those big events, you had Dan Smith going out there holding his daughter in his arms during player introductions and all of those little moments that leave that mark on the team's events and kind of bring the fans into it a little bit more. And I just was wondering if you could speak to the importance of that type of feel that the crunch has managed to maintain.
3: Well, I think it's great, you know, uh, the first year I remember uh, we did a team lunch before the season with was, the it was Vancouver was our Partners, and it was all new to me and just the the game playing in the restaurant between <laughs> 20, 22 year olds where they were putting tomato sauce on the other guy's shoes <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was really... Playful. And early on, you know, uh, we had players that would regularly have dinners at our, our, our fans' houses, you know. And so the, our, the players have always felt a connection to the community. And, and it's interesting, like our players are constantly asking Jim Cirosi or, you know, our PR lady Megan Kayo, or the person running our community, when they're not playing and not practicing, they want to do something with, that impacts the community. And I'll never forget, we had a player back in the day named Brian Loney. You know, uh, he played with us, I think, the first three or four seasons. And unbeknownst to us, uh, Brian befriended a young uh, cancer patient here. And for a few years, we'd regularly not only visit him, but spend time in his home. So when he went through the chemo treatment, be with him home. And Brian never told anybody until the family wanted to tell us the story. And that is more the norm. These players are, you know, so humble. And I think that's different with hockey players is, you know, they appreciate the getting up at four in the morning when they were kids and their moms and dads spending time in cold rinks. And, you know, I'll never forget going back again. Uh, uh, we did a team dinner and two of our players and, Alex you, you, you know, the names uh, were the last cuts of the Vancouver Canals. And it was Dave Scatcher and Tyson Nash, right? Two, two players who had really nice NHL careers. So Vance and I decided, you know what? They missed the team dinner. We're gonna take them to dinner. Just four of us. So we went to Joey's, the Italian restaurant that was like Carrie's circle. And we get the menus and we'll look at And I'm, I'm just look, they're looking at the menus like, I, I'm a surprised look in their face like, I said, listen, you can't, don't worry about it, get what you want. Like, we're buying you dinner. And they said, well, what are you having? And I said, I'm going to have veal parmesan tonight. And Dave Scatcher looked at me and said, What veal? Like, <laughs> and I know it's so taken aback, but smaller town, you know, like people come to Syracuse. Like, look, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, there were more people on my block, right, than most small cities. And so, Syracuse for me it was a smaller city. Mm-hmm. And, but, you get players, and you look at where they're from, and probably eighty percent of them. Syracuse is a big market. They they, they go to the mall, and it's overwhelming. They they're young enough where they go on campus, because you know uh, I think a few of them. Uh, I think it was Joel one wanted meeting a student and marrying an SU student. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't I think Danny Walcott is. Uh, I don't know if she was a student but married or is getting married. No, married a uh you know a, a a a Syracuse you know resident, and now he's had, he's had a home here for a couple of years, so you know uh there I haven't met a lot of the new players yet. I'll, I'll do that when I get into town tomorrow, but uh we in twenty nine years to date, we have really had a bad egg. really. And we've never had one in the Tampa era. because that's just for them. That's a prerequisite if, if, if you know, it, it doesn't matter your talent. If, if there's an issue with your character, they'll never sign you. And, and they, they you know, they believe in culture and they, they don't, don't, don't just talk about it, but they, they love it.
0: Yeah, that's incredibly important, too. And and you can tell it it, it goes right through the entire organization as well Uh, because certainly your team is right up on par with that as well. And and I can tell you that my interactions with with your front office, your staff, you've got a first-class staff there. I can tell you that, my friend.
3: No, thank you. And, you know, people – and sometimes I don't realize it is during the season – And we will play games, as, you know, Alex, you know, we play a lot of Friday, Saturday night games intentionally because, you know, it's a lot easier to draw a fan base than a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our staff will start the week on Monday preparing for their weekend games and doing everything else that they do. So normally they get in, let's say, 8 o'clock, unless you're Jim Cerro and you're in at 645 in the morning, right? (laughs) And, you know, you're preparing and, you know, by 5.36, you're out. On Friday, you get in at the same time. The game ends at 10. You're debriefing, doing what you got to do. And you're not out of the arena until 11, 11.30 into your car. And let's say you're home at 12. So if you got in at 8 or let's say even 9, that's a 15-hour workday that you have to repeat now on Saturday. So you're working your 30 hours Friday, Saturday, the other four days of the week, maybe working nine hours, 36. So you're, you're almost 70 hours. And that's season long. Now we, we've given them off on Mondays now when they work Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we try to be as lenient during the off season. We give them a, a lot more time off because they're gonna gear up for a season. And You know, it's not just the games. There's activities all week long. There's appearances. There's promotions. There's sponsors that you know have. uh, uh, We have commitments in their in their program that we've got to got to do, and so it becomes. Sometimes you know it's you know when we're done playing, which we hope is not until the end of June. You know it's. For a lot of the staff, it's uh, they could finally sit back and relax, and then before you know it, it's October.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I and I you know obviously you, you don't see that on the surface as a fan, right? You just see the puck drop and you see the end of the game, and you think that's it. But you're right. I mean, and the season's a grind. Let, let's just be honest. You're talking seventy two regular season games, a couple preseason games, playoffs. It is a, a six to eight month just absolute grind and. You know, my hats off to, to everybody working fifteen-hour days because that's that's got to be difficult sometimes.
3: And you know what it is true is you work for a team, and, and what I love about our staff and, and about our fans. Here's where it's very similar. I always said we were like the Green Bay Packers, I, I, even though the fans don't have an ownership in the team; they don't own stock. The passion that they have is as if they own the team, and as an owner that's you can't ask for anything more. And it's been that way that that the, the, the our fans have embraced us in that manner. Because the team has been hopefully and, and we have been accessible. The players are available. And uh you know, but it's it's funny, like I'm thinking and I'm I'm gonna throw something out there that's so like I'm a fairly superstitious guy, right? So a few years ago, God, no, more than that, over five years ago, we were probably a, a month and a half into the season. We weren't scoring, like we were losing. So Vance Lee came to visit me in Florida. We were literally by my pool one night and you know he likes to smoke cigars. I, I'll do it every, you know, year. Right. But he said, let's smoke a cigar. And so we had music on and this song came on from the Dropkick Murphys. I'm like, that's all goes along. We're switching. And we went on this great run. <laughs> I said, okay, we're going to keep it. Well, I think last year or, or the year before, Jim Srosi came over to me and said, the players are asking if after they score, they can have their own song, right? Interesting. Right. Like, Fine. Do it. Right. Well, I didn't like you know, the results from last year, right? Yeah. And Jim, Jim called me up a week ago. He said, hey, you know, you know, Wally and Doody, they want to know. I'm like, you know what? We're going back to the dropkick Murphys. Well, I said, Jim, you know what? Let them win games. And then we'll worry about, <laughs> you know? It's like That's
0: awesome. What an incentive. At some,
3: point, at some point, it's not a democracy, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate. You know, we've had some great characters. I mean, you know, like I, I actually spoke to Zena Kanapa a couple of days ago. You know, like, like we had unfortunately, like, we've had a great video plan and uh, for the home opener, and we, we the plan was we had arranged for Scotty Walker to come in, who was probably the one of the first beloved players, Wild Thing, and we got a call from him two days ago that his son is playing his first professional game in Kalamazoo. And he said, listen, I I gotta see my, I said, Scotty, I understand it. So I, I called up Z because we've been in touch, you know, over the years. And I said, hey, you know, you're not, you're not option B because we wanted to bring you in during the year, but I need you to come in if you could on Saturday. And he says, I would love to, you know, I'd love to, but I'm coaching. So find out, I said, look at your schedule. Look at our schedule, but during the year we're gonna have a lot of people come in. But I think the, I've watched the video they shot. It's a seven-minute-long video, uh, but it's
1: I'm I'm in it. <laughs>
3: Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm still in it. but it, it's actually it's actually really good, right? And it's really the right time to show it because it talks about the history and the characters and, and when you look back, like you know, early on you had Walker and Baduc and Baduc was like a cult hero before he even landed in <laughs> at the airport. Right? <laughs> I mean it's unbelievable. You know, then you know you move on to to, to Kanapka and uh you know Morasti and, and Brandon Sugden and Jody Shelley and you know then you you jump into, you know, the the Wally's and the Eric Nielsen's and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch, right? Angelita's. Angie, I mean, but the, I'm, I'm thinking more of the characters, like mm-hmm. I mean, and, and no one was a bigger like, I can, I can talk about Kanapka for hours the stuff we went through. Like, mm-hmm. I would get a call, literally every Monday from the head of discipline of the American Hockey League. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jimmy, what's up? Says, it's your captain. I'm like, what's he doing now? He can, he can talk all he wants
2: during warm-up, but he can't cross the red line. I'm, oh, my I'm, God. The red line thing was crazy that season. Like, game, him, he and Marasty used to police it. And, boy, if you knew.
3: Every game I go, see, I'm going to say, talk all you want. I don't care what you do during warm so I'm, yeah 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 no problem no problem I got you I got you next <laughs> month I get the call it was unbelievable He was and I've taken him when he played for the Islanders he came he came to my house for Thanksgiving one one year him and uh, Pierre Parenteau and the funniest thing one of the funniest dinners I had when when Sunday was trying out for the Islanders I had him come to my house for dinner and at the time I, I think only only two of my kids were still living at home so. <laughs> He comes to dinner. I think we had meatballs, and spaghetti, <laughs> and he goes into his mouth and just rips his teeth out. You know, we're <laughs> right at, right at the table. It's like geez. so. My kids who were home. I think it was. I forgot who, but they're like they were amazed. But uh, you know, just like I'm, 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 I'm so happy. Like I know Jimmy. Like we keep in touch with the alumni, and when Tampa won won the cup the second time. And we were fortunate to be there and be in the locker room and part of the celebration. But let me tell you, and I know I've got to go at 7 shortly because – and I definitely want to rebook with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a crazy schedule because I, am, I literally just got back from Tampa. I've got to run out and meet somebody, and then I've got to come home and pack, and I'm on a 6 o'clock flight tomorrow morning. <laughs>
0: yeah. No rest yeah. at all for you. <laughs>
3: no, no. I have more sleep on the, on the, uh, on the airplane. And now I just, and I forgot, what was I just talking about? that I forgot? <laughs> We were talking about Kanapka? Pull, pulling
4: like, teeth out.
2: Pulling teeth out. after that? Uh, when the Lightning won the cup the second time. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so
3: we were, I, 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 because I live in Florida, I, I was a regular. And I, I even, yes, I was at the game there opening yesterday. And they're so wonderful. I had lunch with Julian and Matthew Darch. I sit in the suite with the, uh, the Steve Griggs who's the team president and it's the VIP overflow. So it's, if you're a VIP or they consider you one and you don't have a suite, you go there. So the mayor was there and it was great because they had a bunch of Hall of Famers from Tampa there. They had Wade Boggs, Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, who I've gotten to know very well, him and his wife. Wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, so. For the cup final game against Montreal, I was in that suite and I'd driven up and uh, Tampa had taken the suite to the right and they had, instead of selling it for the night, they reserved it. They had brought in, they had flown in all of, all of their scouts because remember the year before it was the bubble. So nobody got to enjoy the championship. Sure. They flew in all of their scouts. They flew in our coaching staff at the time, Benwell uh, uh Eric and, and Gio's. Our, our goalie coach, our strength coach, Mark Powell. They brought in our trainers, our equipment, our equipment managers. They flew in Vance and Jimmy, Vance Leibold and Jimmy Cirosi, and they were all there. And what a generous offer because you're talking about hotels. Sure. And... and- I remember getting a call, a text from Liz Koharski. And Liz was, uh, she used to work for the American League when Dave Andrews first came in as as, as president and then wound going to Tampa when Jay Feaster became a GM at State. And she's Julian Brizwa's administrative assistant. She's wonderful. And I get a text from her right before the first period, is gonna, third period is gonna start. And Ross Colton scored the goal in the second period to go up one nothing. Right? And the text is, and I remember it, if we are fortunate enough to win this game, wait until the cup leaves the ice. And then you're going to be led to a special elevator to go down to where the player locker, room, but there was a lounge, a huge lounge attached to it. So we're watching the game and there's a minute left and Macho pulls the goal in. Like our hearts are racing and McDonough blocks a shot and it goes out of the zone and we are freaking out. So happy, like, and the happiness is because we love those guys. Like, I love the Tampa people Mm -hmm. because of who they are. When we go down and I'm thinking, okay, so now we're there and, you know, Stacey Roos is down there and, but I'm thinking, oh, maybe we'll wait like a half hour. Well, five minutes later, the music comes on, the players are all in their uniform, and out comes Stamkos with a cup. And it is, like, unimaginable, really. Like, it's almost surreal for a kid. It's, it's a dream, I'm telling you. Sure. And we're, 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 like, posing with a cup, we're drinking. And here's the best <laughs> part. Here's the best part. Andre Pallott had not played in Syracuse for probably five years, right? At least. And he sees Vance and I, and this guy is soaking wet with champagne and sweat, uniform on, and he yells, Syracuse at the top of his lungs, <laughs> he grabs us. And Cooch is grabbing us. And <laughs> Eric Chernak. And it, it, they, loved, they loved and remembered how they were treated in Syracuse. It was so wonderful because you wonder how oh, they leave. Do they forget about it? They don't. They don't. And Ross Colton went up to Benoit Gruen and said, you made me this player. You're the reason why I'm here.
0: That is awesome. And,
3: and yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful. And we was spoken got Cooper, and he's got his arm around us. And it's the experience from the front office to the fans to the community that is all so important because we want players wanting to come to Syracuse. It, the facility is important, the way they're treated. And I'll just give you one final example before I go, because it's a story most people may not know. A number of years ago, uh, the Lightning were flying for a game in Ottawa and they were fogged out. And ironically, the nearest airport was Syracuse, private, hmm. the private partner. Okay. And they wanted landing at 1245 in the morning. And Julian Breswell called Jim Cirosi, and Jim called the hotel, at the time we were dealing with the Crown, got in the rooms, every staffer woke up, got in the car, and picked up players oh, that wow. time and, that, and that's unheard of. That's sure. unheard of. Yeah. But, you know, and that's a story most people don't know. And when Jimmy told me that morning, he said, oh, I'm tired, I went, wait, why are you tired? He said, Julian called me and you know, the plane landed and, and I remember, I forgot who it was, maybe it was Bridget from our staff. Uh, Steve Stamkos happened to be in her car and he wound up giving her a hundred dollar bill. Wow. Which, which you didn't have to do, right? We no. Sure. sure. But anyway, I'd love to come back on. I apologize.
0: No, no uh, problem at all. We we certainly appreciate your time, Howard. And, and but congratulations on, on 30 excellent seasons in Syracuse. And and here's to another 100 more.
3: Now, I assume both of you guys will be there on Saturday. Yes, we will. Yes. Absolutely. Well, well, come over and say hi.
0: I absolutely okay. will. Absolutely. Hi. Thank you so yeah. much. We appreciate it. You're
3: welcome. Thank you.
0: Okay. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. All right, that Alex that was awesome.
2: I'm just trying to picture those players in 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 the Crown uh hotel <laughs> which uh was just recently put up for auction and I don't oh. think anybody wanted it.
0: Well, you know uh, uh, that's what makes the you know minor league so fun I guess, you know. It, it, and that you know maybe that's a good good reminder for the NHL players say hey, you know, this right. is where you know.
2: I mean, like, the Crunch has since moved on to a very different hotel. Yeah, well. uh, I'm just trying to picture that, and it's really funny. (laughs) And I hadn't heard that story before. And honestly, I think that, like, that's that's too bad because that really speaks to the relationship between the two teams, too. Because I don't know if every AHL team would have been – that willingly accommodating. I'm sure begrudgingly they would have done something sure, because sure. it's what you do, right? right. Like it's a partnership. But to have every single person be like, yeah, I'll act as a, a taxi service. Absolutely. You know, I'll take these exhausted, yeah. <laughs> grumpy millionaires over to their crappy hotel room in downtown Syracuse. <laughs>
0: sure. Here. Okay, here you go. I'm, I'm just going to leave once we get to the door, though. So you're on your own now. <laughs> but no, what, what a, what a phenomenal story. What a, what a, what a phenomenal guy that was so much fun having him on. It, it really was.
2: Yeah, it was. Hopefully if he does come back, I hope that you'll invite me back on because I'd love to be able to to talk a little bit more and and to hear some more of those stories. Cause those were great.
0: Absolutely. Alex, you know, anytime you want to come on the show, you are more than welcome. You know, Like I, like I told you, you, you are the Syracuse crunch expert. Gotta got have you on for Syracuse Crunch Shows. Come on. You know?
2: I, I appreciate that, but I'm I'm also the only one, expert or not. So <laughs> it's kinda like when you're like, I'm your favorite kid, and it's like, yeah, you're my only kid. Sort of that kind of
0: vibe. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it could be worse So You could be an only child and the parent says, Well, you're really not my favorite, but you
2: know Oh true. <laughs> true. Like we like the dog better than you. Yeah, exactly.
0: You. <laughs> Well, listen, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to do our season preview. How's that sound?
2: That sounds fantastic.
0: All right. We'll be right back.
1: Visit My Little Falls and stay connected (laughs) with the latest news, information, and events in the city and the area. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of the Mohawk Valley. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, our event calendar, and print publication, the Mohawk Valley Express. It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of locals and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes store, listen to our podcast, or sign up for our weekly email newsletter. Stop by today. You'll be glad you did.
0: And we are back for segment two. And, you know, Alex, I, I say this every show. Listening to that commercial, that song, to me, is like the Rocky theme song. You know, I, I listen, I want to go take a lap around the, the entire block after I, you know. I never it do. Very much, I,
2: yeah. It's, it sounds like the song that a team would come out onto the ice to. Yeah,
0: just, exactly. Yeah. See that, Dave? See, see, see what you're starting now? Hey, you know what? The next time Howard's on, maybe we'll recommend that to him for the goal
4: song. Hey, I can do that. <laughs>
2: I would just like us to go back to Zombie Nation, personally. It just holds a special place in my heart. I was kind of hoping that maybe for the 30th anniversary season, at least once they'd surprise us and that song would come on. Right. The PA system, because that was, you know, for a long, a long time. I mean, I think that was everybody's goal song in the 90s, but, you know, Syracuse held on to it right up until... They uh, changed it out for something that they had before the Dropkick Murphy song, and then as Howard explained, what happened from there. But I just kind of still hope for that one back.
0: I know it's always it's like in professional wrestling when a wrestler returns and you hear the wrestler's music and you've heard it in like ten years, like whoa, whoa, what, what's that? You know. But see, Alex, now we got a comment up on the screen here. I know if you if you listen on Apple or Spotify, you can't see it, but I'm not the only one who thinks you're the expert, as you can see. No one is better than Alex with Crunch Coverage. Uh, Deanna Weinheimer, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, you, you're absolutely right, Deanna. I'm telling you, uh, for once, I'm actually correct in the majority opinion. Awesome.
4: Deanna's <laughs> an only child.
0: <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, thanks, Dave. She she made a nice comment, and then you got to just.
1: Yeah. She
2: is a wonderful uh, hockey <laughs> media person in her own right, I must say. And, uh, you know, just in the spirit of partnerships, AHL News Now, check it out. Hey, there
0: you go. It. There you go. Excellent. 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 Okay. So let's get going with this season preview because, hey, you know, we're recording here. What is it, Wednesday night? The season's starting in two days, Alex. Two days away from the AHL kicking off. Uh, so real quick, we'll just do a very, very brief recap of last season, then we'll jump right into 23-24. Uh, last season, the Crunch did finish with an overall record of 35, 26, 7, and 4, which was good for 81 points and second place in the North Division. Uh, in the playoffs, they were eliminated by Rochester and, uh, five games, uh, the semifinals of the North division. Uh, let's see, on the power play last season, they were 18.8%, which was 16th in the league. On the penalty kill, they were 79.9%, which is 23rd. At home, they were 17-11, 7-1. And on the road, they were 18-15, 0-3. And I want to preface this by saying, especially with the AHL, you can take last season's numbers and throw them right out the window.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I- Change is the constant in this league. There is nothing that is that is more constant and more normal than change in the AHL. It, so
3: absolutely. when you
2: look, when you look at rosters and and the changes that have happened, when you look at the Syracuse roster, when you look at any other roster in the North Division, and even just in extending it out to the Eastern Conference and the rest of the league, last year's numbers mean nothing.
0: Nothing Whether at all. They
2: were. Whether they were good or bad, it doesn't matter. They mean nothing.
0: Absolutely, because there's so much upheaval every single season. There there really is. So before I bring our first graphic up, which we talked about this before the show started, I'm still trying. I'm learning. Okay, I'm trying to get there. Fortunately, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify or Amazon, you're not going to be able to see it. So that's good. But anyways, one big change that the Syracuse Crunch had is they have a new head coach. Uh, Joel Bouchard takes over behind the bench, uh, taking over for Ben Gro. What, tell us a little bit about that.
2: I don't think we will ever fully get the 100% view of what happened here, but I think that it was just, you know, coaches in the AHL don't normally last as long as Ben Grew did. He started coaching in Syracuse in 2016 so that's a long stretch of time, especially for a coach where it seemed like his NHL star was rising every single summer, and yet he just couldn't find the team to take a chance on him, um, much like a hockey player that we're probably going to talk about <laughs> a little while here. Some similarities there. But you know, I think that sometimes after a while, as teams change, as player attitudes and talents change it gets easier maybe to drown certain messages out. And ever since Gru had taken over, there was always this thing where the Gru effect would kick in usually around Thanksgiving for whatever reason. And, you know, the team would look kind of rough and everything would be a little scrambly and up in the air. And then it's like they would buy in and they'd start winning and everything would be fine.
1: Right.
2: Last season and the season before that really it never really happened. And from what we were told, talks to actually have grew move on started not this past summer, but the summer before. And for whatever reason, they kept him on for another season. He still had a year remaining in his contract this past summer when they actually did part ways, which is why I feel like there's more to this story just because I don't know why they just didn't finish the year out. Like-
0: right, right
2: it's a year left. Why bother? Um, but honestly, I think it's time and I'm really excited and interested to see what Bouchard has in mind for a team that's really young.
0: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Almost top to bottom new to Syracuse, new to the community, um, there's just a couple handful of players that were here last season, and, and even fewer than that who have been with Syracuse for more than a season. So I'm excited to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, and it, it, it just listen, a coach can be the greatest coach in the world, but after a while, there needs to be a new voice in the room. You know, especially if you've got players that have been around that coach for a while, like oh, we've heard this before. Okay, you know, you got to do that every once in a while. It just it brings a little bit new of a newer perspective. Uh, different way of doing things. And like you said, when yet now you got a really young team, now's the time to maybe bring that new voice in and, and see what can happen. So this offseason, there were some, uh, some losses to the roster. Like we said, there's, there's always upheaval in, in the AHL. And so I'm going to put up my graphic up there. There it is. All right. So, um, I, I went through and I took a look. These are the, the players that actually had significant playing time with the crunch last year. Um, I see a couple on there that are really jumping out at me. What do you think on that list?
2: Uh, The blue line's looking real thin. And uh, that first name on there, which for those of you who can't see, is Trevor Carrick. um, You know, he had a hard time finding a groove in Syracuse for whatever reason. But I think that it is going to be challenging to replicate – the depth that Syracuse had on defense last season and that depth became especially important when someone who's not on this list because he's still in the organization, but he's probably not going to be seeing time with the crunch um, when,
0: uh, and I'm sure you're talking about Darren Reddish.
2: I am indeed. Thank you for a second. I blanked on his name.
0: Um, I appreciate. His <laughs> I name. do it. Listen, I do that with my kids. Don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Radish was recalled permanently, you know, Syracuse yes. still had Philip Meyer, Sean Day, who who came in and out of injury, and Trevor Carrick. Now, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that in particular. Should injuries start piling up?
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Uh, Carrick really took off actually in the second half of the season, uh, when he got the opportunity, got the opportunity to shine and he, and he did. Uh, he's with the Anaheim organization now. Uh, up until yesterday, the other, the name that was really kind of jumping out at me on this one too was, uh, Max Legacy. Um, because, you know, he, he's one of those guys. I, he's one of those players that he doesn't always put up spectacular numbers, but he's solid. Mm-hmm. And when, especially at the goaltender position, that's what you got to have. You got to have solid consistency, even if he isn't going to steal every game for you, but he solidified the net for the crunch. Uh, but there was a little bit of a deal made that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So, uh, so suddenly for, at least for the time being, uh, like I say, actually, I think he went to Sweden. Let's see. yes. he went over to the SHL in Sweden. So no longer with the crunch. Anybody else on that list that you, uh, you want to chat about?
2: Simon Ryfors, I think, and, and even Rudolph Balsers, those, those, those were two players that maybe flew under the radar a little bit. But when you look at the stats on the scoring sheet, you know, what, one of Syracuse's issues last season was that the depth on scoring wasn't there, generally, oh. especially with the way Ben Grew coached. You needed to roll at least three lines consistently scoring in order to play with the pace and get the get the team gelling the way he wanted them to. And the Crunch just didn't have that last season, which is one of the reasons why, like, yeah, they ended in second place in the division, but that 81 points is one of the lowest point totals that a Lightning-era Crunch team has had. Right. Um, well, know, and especially
0: – yeah, especially towards the last season they were just beating the crap out of each other in the standings, so that North Division got really tight, and yeah, so I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's... uh... No,
2: that's okay, yeah, so it's just, you know, those two in particular were a part of the scoring depth, and with having so many young, fresh faces on the roster this year, it's really going to be fun, question mark, to see how that all rolls out and if some of that secondary st- scoring can start clicking in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, we just talked about additions. So why don't we pull up my additions list? Uh, I got this via the uh, free agent signing tracker at com. So uh, hopefully uh, now I'm going to preface this by saying, I know Logan Brown is still with the organization or I mean with Tampa, but I put him on there anyways. So, you know, artistic license, I guess you want to say. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, looking at that list, and, and of course I put Coach Bouchard on there. We've already already discussed him. Uh Mitchell Chafee was pretty impressive in the preseason.
2: Definitely. He was someone who really stood out, especially during that game in Syracuse this past Saturday. I didn't get to pay much attention to the other preseason game that Syracuse played in Rochester just because it's preseason and the AHL doesn't do a ton with Preseason stuff, but I wish they did. during, yeah, I know it's it's one of my my bugaboos. But I also understand, considering the 13 people who were in attendance during Syracuse's <laughs> preseason game, why it, it you know it's really hard to make AHL preseason games profitable. <laughs> and I get that too. Like I'm one of those people who loves them because I enjoy being able to get back into the arena, being able to see the people that I always see. Maybe earlier than the regular season allows us to. So I like preseason, but I'm also a 20 year fan of this team. So, right. <laughs> you know, AHL games are fleshed out by your casual fan and your casual fan's not going to show up to a five o'clock Saturday night preseason game in Syracuse New York they're just they're not going to do that even if tickets are only five bucks
0: sure sure (laughs) and you know what's so fun about preseason games is that you'll see some of these players that you know are going to get sent back down to the ECHL but you keep in the back of your head and say "Eh, maybe I'll see this kid later on the season
2: yeah absolutely and you know I think in a lot of ways that that some that mirrors the NHL somewhat just Mm -hmm. because the NHL like Look at how many players got cut prior to this past week and, and came down to Syracuse. So, you know, it, it's interesting in that respect. But the AHL, those those players in particular tend to be lower in number that get sent down. And so it is good to be able to pay attention to them early because chances are you are going to be seeing them at some point.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Plus, you sound like the super fan to, like, everybody else. Like, hey, I remember this guy. You're like, what, huh? <laughs>
2: Yeah, he played three minutes. I remember him. October, what was it, the 5th? Is that when we had that game? And you know what the best
0: part is? They can't even call you out because they weren't there.
2: (laughs) Right? No, they weren't one of the dozen that sat through that that game. It was actually a really good game. Honestly, it was probably one of the better preseason tilts I've seen in. My time watching this team. So honestly, if you weren't one of those dozen people that were there, that's well, too bad for you because it was a good game.
0: Absolutely, quite intense too for a preseason game.
2: Well, you know it was Utica.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, you know that's going to be a battle every single time those yeah. two get together.
2: Uh, you know yeah, what? I think if a you, there.
0: I think if you put those two teams in like a miniature golf contest against each other, it would turn into some kind of brawl or something. So.
2: Yeah, something's going up somebody's nose. Yeah. For sure. No doubt.
4: Uh, Oh, goodness. Alex and her visuals. Yeah,
0: now I can't get that out of my head. I'll never be able to go miniature golfing again. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) What are friends for, right? So, Alex, now that we've looked at our subtractions and our additions, why don't we take a look at the forward group that's coming in for the crunch? So – These are some of them that I got together, so it's a little difficult right now to get the full picture because the full rosters actually haven't been released yet. But sometimes you got to read between the tea leaves, do a little bit of figuring out here. And, of course, the big name, top left corner there, the big news that came through, Alex Beret-Boulet, the AHL second-leading scorer last year, MVP-type season, is back with the crunch because he actually cleared waivers from Tampa Bay.
2: Guess who's back? Back <laughs> again. Can we clear that? Or did I just do a bad job with it so it doesn't even matter? That's all good. Probably what happened. Ah, um all good. yeah. So you know, I-, I talked about this on my podcast this past week. I am never someone to be like, boy, I hope that person gets picked up on waivers and we don't get their services. Just want that to happen. I'm never that person. Right. But in this case, I I was that person. And mostly it's because, and granted, I'm on the outside looking in. I have no idea what's going on with the inner decision making and and the communication and, and anything. But I just don't see what Barry Boulay can do other than what he's done, which from my viewpoint of watching him over all of these seasons, he has worked on everything the Lightning has wanted him to work on. Right. First, it was his two-way game. It was his 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 um, play in the own zone wasn't strong enough. So he worked on that. And he visibly worked on that. And some of his scoring actually suffered because he was visibly working on that. And then it seemed like, okay, well, then you just have to get consistent again. And so then he worked on that. And I just don't know what else he can do at this point in time in this organization. and And I do kind of wish that he would have... Gotten another chance, but I'm also not gonna say no to having him back in Syracuse.
0: Well, no, I wouldn't think so. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you're you're so right, and I and I thought that this season, of all the seasons, he would finally get his chance in Tampa Bay because you know, let's face it, the the Lightning are in a a, a cap crunch. <laughs> Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, you know, so they're they're looking for players on those lower salaries to fill the void, so to speak. Uh, there is openings on the Lightning for players like Alex Braille, Uh, but for whatever reason they they sent him back down to Syracuse. I gotta believe that he's got to be first in line to come back up if there's a forward if, if there's an injury in the forward group.
2: Uh, yeah, I I would definitely imagine so. Especially looking at the other names, I mean, Gonsalves is probably higher up there. Kepke is higher up there. Both of those gentlemen were on the bubble last year in particular with who if they were even going to be sent back to Syracuse. so you know I would think that they're going to be up there too. I always think too especially with the lightning it seems to depend on who the, and what they're actually looking for because sure. I think that's why Barry Boulet hasn't gotten a ton of call-up time is he fourth line minutes aren't gonna isn't gonna do anything for him right,
0: right. right. Exactly. You know, a
2: player like Kepke or Gonzalves that's trying to make their mark, absolutely, fourth-line minutes in the NHL, but better than playing second-line minutes in the AHL any day. Sure. But, like, Barry Boulay, again, what does he have left to prove?
0: Exactly. And, and, and obviously, the Lightning have, think he's got value because they went and got him back from the Seattle Kraken when they cleaned him on waivers the last time through
2: a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, so. you know, and, and granted, like, him and, him and Dumont have fantastic – chemistry It was amazing watching them play together last season, and I'm hopeful that that can be replicated this season. But I, I'm sure it's a little bit of a disappointment to him to be back in Syracuse because I'm sure this wasn't what he was planning on.
0: Well, probably not. I, I mean, of course, you want to play in the NHL. That's the end, the end goal, really. Um, but, you know, you mentioned a couple of names I want to talk about next. Uh, Cole Kapke and Gage Gonsalves to me, those are two particular players that I think the crunch are going to need to take the next step this season.
2: Yes, I I agree. And especially when you think about the fact that they were like, will they make the NHL or won't they just a year ago? And now they, they were pretty much like, yeah, no, you're being sent down this season. There wasn't really a will they or won't they. Right. So I really think that they're being looked at in particular as they need to make the most out of the season. They need to push themselves and they should be earning minutes right up there on that first line, uh, depending on, you know, what the coaching staff sees and what chemistry they see going on, but they should be right up there in the front.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just with, with the forward group looking at it, thank goodness, Wally, Daniel Walcott came back.
2: I still want to know what happened there because he signed so late into the summer. So I don't know if he was just like, if he wasn't sure if he was coming back, if he was holding out for a two way deal, I don't know, but he took the, he took the AHL deal and you know, much like Dumont, he was like, no, I know where I want to be. I want to play in Syracuse. I don't want to deal with waivers. I don't want to deal with call-ups. I just want to be here. And if I'm going to continue playing, this is what I'm going to do. Which is great for the community in particular. It's great for the dressing room. It's great for the fans. But honestly, the Syracuse community benefits so much from everything Walcott does.
0: Absolutely. And
2: from what I've been told, he does a lot more than what is publicized because he doesn't want it publicized. So it that's why we want AHL teams in our communities, is because of what these players do for Bingo. the communities. And he's that type of player
0: absolutely absolutely and you can just tell he loves being a part of it all it, it, he's just one of those special players that every team wants wants a Daniel Walcott on their team
2: yeah and you you might hate playing against him I'm well, pretty that's sure true, there's but... quite a few quite a few teams out there that can't stand playing against him <laughs> but if they had him on the team they'd understand
0: yes absolutely all right Alex so let's take a look at the defenseman here. So Dave's, there it is. Um, and again, I apologize for the overlap on the, uh, the graphic there. I, um, again, I'm learning all this. So, uh, I think
2: they look great. Give well, yourself a break. I think they look fantastic.
0: Well, thank you. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. It, it, I'll tell you this. It's a lot better than anything I would have done last year. Let's put it that way. So, <laughs> And Dave just rolled his eyes so hard, I think they hit the ceiling. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop my camera for two seconds because I have to plug in my computer, but I'm still here, I promise. Okay.
0: absolutely, absolutely. So we've already talked about a couple of the losses that the Crunch have faced from the defense corps, right, with the loss of Radish, with the loss of Carrick. Uh, Philippe Myers is back. Uh, let's see, Sean Day is back. Declan Carlisle enters his second season after a fantastic rookie season. Um, what do you think? What are you thinking about this defense core here?
2: They're babies. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're so little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I I stood next to Sean Day, and he's not so little. I, I can tell you that right now. No way.
2: <laughs> well, you know, as someone as someone who is about five four, I, I get what you're saying. Um, but man, it's it is a very young. Group sure. of gentlemen. Um, I like to to refer to our veterans as the elder statesmen of the group because I just feel like you have our veteran corps, guys like Myers and and Walcott and and Dumont and guys who have been, you know, around the block a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And then you have everybody else that are like just so young. And <laughs> uh, this group is definitely exemplary of that because I mean, Myers and Day are 150% the elder statesmen. And, yeah.
0: Everybody else um, would be carrying their ID with them at all times.
2: <laughs> one, yeah, exactly. Like, there is no Trevor Carrick this year. There is no Darren Radish this year. Like, it, that, that, this is what Syracuse has right now. Um, I'm a little nervous about it. But on the other side of things, we do have, like, Carlisle and Thompson who showed up a lot of promise and came really far last season in particular. Um, Devonte Stevens is also not a stranger to the organization. Right. So he's, he's a known solid entity on the blue line, which will be helpful. Um, so, you know, that that's a positive out of this group. And from what I saw in that Saturday game, everybody, all of the kids, and I use that term, you know, very figuratively, but still, They look hungry and they look eager to make an impression. And, you know, this group is is no different. There's no exceptions here from that.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, you know, my first thought when I took a look at this, this to me is Sean Day's chance to to reestablish himself as the number one in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know he's been battling injuries for, for a bit, but this really is the chance right here to, you know, come back and say, yeah, I'm Sean Day. I'm the number one defenseman here.
2: Yeah, and he's on one of those like famous, you know, your ELC is done, here's your show me year contract, so show me what you're going to do with it. And you're absolutely right, like this is his chance to to shine a little bit and stand out and you know, either prove to the Lightning that he's ready to make that jump, although <laughs> hopefully not too soon. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> or else this group is really going to be little, um, and I don't mean in numbers, um, or, you know, show another organization that that he's ready for that. So I, I agree with you 100%.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Young, but like you said, hungry, and I'll tell you something, when, when you got a hungry group of players, that can make a tremendous difference.
2: Absolutely. In fact, a lot of the, the characters that, howard just referred to when he was talking with us those were all players that if i had to pick a characteristic that they all had in common it was hunger
0: right right absolutely absolutely so last but not least why don't we take a look at the goaltenders which that situation changed a couple days ago uh of course hugo elnafeld's coming back um and i'll tell you he just seems to get better every single season it's it's hard to believe that he's got three seasons under his belt already in, in all reality. uh but there we are. Um and now the big one here, and it's funny because I, I listened to your podcast and you, and you did the same exact thing I did. It's like, oh my goodness, how am I yeah. going to pronounce this? Uh so now I'm going to give it a shot. Porter <laughs> yeah Or Dave Gun too. <laughs> that's that's even better.
4: See how quick I was that say, was?
2: every time every time we need to say it we'll stop. Yeah. He'll say it no. and then we'll keep talking.
4: Yeah. Do it again. Porter Kochekov. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Um, I was gonna say Piotr no Pointer Okay, say like pointer. Okay. Well, oh, that'll
4: work too. Kachekov.
0: off Let's just say Kachekov. K- okay. No, it's Kachekov. Okay, that. Not Kachkov.
4: It's not Star Trek. Star Trek. What? <laughs> yeah, check off Jeez.
0: Okay. Well, Alex. All right. Hey, get him. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate. Uh... <laughs> That really solidifies the net for the Crunch. Um, and, and, you know, I'll tell you, the, the Crunch really benefited uh, from somehow, some way, Carolina does not have an AHL affiliate. Um, a lot has been made about Chicago going independent, kind of leaving Carolina out in the cold. But it happened. I mean, and that's one of those things. I don't think we'll ever get the real full story about that either, to be perfectly honest with you. But at any rate, hey, it benefits the Crunch. And, you know, I guess it, it, at the very least they haven't got to worry about Tampa Bay calling him up because he's not on a Tampa Bay contract. So there you go. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. Um this was like <laughs> I expected if anything was going to happen, that lightning would have done something for them. <laughs> Just you know, as we before the show sure. we were talking about how with with Andre Vavaleski down and out until probably about Christmas at this point in time. Uh, that hurts. Uh for sure and you know it just it created a very unexpected situation in the organization and with goalies in particular the the shockwaves are felt all throughout because organizations usually only carry five goaltenders so if one goes down especially the one at the very top sure it really changes the way things look
0: absolutely
2: and, oh so you know um, I really did I expected the lightning to do their usual cap magic and figure out a way to whatever they do to to make it work and and they did that but instead it's it's Syracuse that gets to benefit and I from everything I've read about this gentleman right here whose name
1: yes
0: Mr k <laughs>
2: yes um from everything I've read like he had the potential to be in care with Carolina right right season so you know I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see how this tandem is going to work because obviously Alnafeld is the lightning's priority Alnafeld is the next one up Alnafeld is the draftee Alnafeld is here for three seasons now so right you know but I also can't imagine having such talent just sitting night after night. That seems like that would be kind of a waste. So I'm going absolutely to be fascinated to see how the coaching staff decides to work this. And it's definitely a good problem to have, but it's also a very interesting one.
0: It is because you gotta wonder how that conversation went, right? Because I'm right? sure Carolina management wants him to play as much as possible. But on the other hand, like you just said, obviously all in the fault is the lightning priority so Mm -hmm. that's going to be very interesting and it'll it'll also be interesting to see how long it lasts
1: yeah because as we
0: as we know carolina's goaltenders tend to get hurt a lot so you know we we don't know this could last a few months this could last a few days we just don't know but it'll certainly be fun while it does
2: yeah and like this is why we don't see dual affiliations in this, you know, NHL AHL partnership anymore because you end up with questions like this. Absolutely. You know, well, who gets priority? Uh, you know, the the almost NHLer from another organization or the draftee from the parent club, the, and they both need to play, they both need time. Who gets the priority? And you know, it it definitely makes things more complicated having an NHL club without a farm team <laughs> <laughs> this season. Uh, you know, I think that this conversation around independent teams versus independently owned as the crunch is, sure. you know, we just had their owner. I think that that's a fascinating little side project that, you know, we could make three podcast episodes oh, for sure, because the nuance there is, is different, but yet not. So this has created a really, like, fascinating soap opera. I know, right? (laughs) In the background of this whole season.
0: It's the AHL version of As the World Turns.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, we got, I I referred to Chicago earlier today as the Island of Misfit Toys, because I kind of feel (laughs) like that's, that's, like, their, like, configuration right now is they have some really great veterans like Corey Conacher and, and then they have other guys and I don't know who those other guys are, but they're there and they're going to play hockey, but they don't have anywhere to go with this. And so it's kind of strange.
0: You do realize now, now I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about a miniature golf and where the clubs could end up. (laughs) And now B like the Jack in the box and the, and the elephant that didn't quite fit in at the Island misfit toys. Oh, this is going to be great. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, this is why I love having you on the show so much. See, <laughs> oh boy, and and I do believe that the third goaltender is Matt Tompkins. I didn't see anything to indicate otherwise. Um, I did check out the Orlando, oh, yeah, the Orlando Solar Bears uh, website. There was nothing to indicate yes. that there, but again, kind of difficult right now because the the rosters aren't officially released, so. I'm doing a little detective work.
2: Yeah. So Tompkins is up with the lightning. Oh, okay.
0: Well, there you go. That's. Yeah.
2: So that's why I screwed that
0: up. Okay. Well,
2: that's how they worked that out. And then was it Evan Fitzgerald?
0: Yes. Fitzpatrick.
2: Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. He went to Orlando. Right. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Now, see. Yes.
0: And I thought I looked at that on Cap Friendly and I probably went right by it too. But eh, this is exactly why I'm not a detective. See.
2: Well, and to be fair, the Lightning's cap-friendly uh, is a little bit of a disaster right now because they have so many, like, long-term injured reserve players right. and season-opening injured reserve players and buried penalties in the minors and dead ca- I mean, it's it's a I little don't. bit of a of a hot mess right now, so I'm not surprised that your eyes just went right over it.
0: You know, not to mention they don't have enough cap space to buy a candy bar, so that's...
2: They have three dollars. Yes, there you much. go. See, that's, that's enough to buy like a fun size pack of M and M's. No, right. have you
4: seen the prices these days? Something. No. I,
2: I, I honestly, I haven't. I, I Instacart everything, and I don't.
4: You know, you do have to pay for Instacart, right?
2: Oh. I, 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 well, I know the total, but that also includes Instacart, so <laughs> I, I don't know how much my individual groceries are.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's always fun. Uh, you know what, Alex? Let's close this out by just taking a quick look at the promotional schedule because I mean, this is the 30th anniversary. Some are really you sure cool. You
2: want to do this because? Uh, why not? Really excited about it. Why not?
0: You know, I'm looking. I'm seeing. I'm seeing 90s night, and I got to ask you. Now I know you're going to be there because it's a Saturday night. So, are you going to be uh, in 90s garb by chance? Are you going to be dressed up like a a performing act from the 90s?
4: How can you tell? <laughs>
2: So, actually, the last time they did 90s Night, I want to say it was for the 25th anniversary season. I actually borrowed flannel from my dad and (laughs) did the whole, like, flannel tie-up with the white tank top on underneath it from, like, the mid-90s.
0: Yep. Um, The grunge movement.
2: Exactly. This time around, I am thrilled to say that uh, flared jeans are back. (laughs) So... (laughs) I don't even have to raid someone else's closet. I can just go to Maurice's and buy a pair of flare jeans and I'm Perfect.
0: Up. Perfect. <laughs> you know, Dave said he wanted to celebrate that night too by coming as one of the Backstreet Boys. So
2: I that's close to my heart. There you, you know, go, see?
0: I can do that. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: oh I, boy. I can I, do that. But you know, look it up and down this line. I mean, besides the, the the usual great promotional nights they have, I'm I'm looking at this this one in particular, the Syracuse Canal Mules night. And if we had a little bit more time with Howard, I was going to ask him about that because that is certainly unique. Um, I you know, the one thing I just hope they don't do is bring a mule out on the ice. <laughs> <I> <laughs> that, that could get a little where... tricky.
4: Canal mules—that must have been like the mules that pulled the barges along the canal. I'm assuming, yeah, 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 absolutely.
2: All right, yes, and it it was interesting because not a lot of people outside of Central New York, and I even had a couple like my friends from you know that I grew up with. They were like, "What is a canal
1: mule?"
4: (laughs) (laughs) I I just want to know how to. I just want to know how to dress for that. I'm sorry, I just can't. In my head, easy—you dress up as Donkey from Shrek. No, no, no. We get a horse suit. You've got the front half on. I've got the back. Oh, jeez. We will never
0: be allowed back species. in the building
4: ever again.
2: There's a lot of species being thrown here right now, none of which are mules. That's true.
4: But. I know. But th- how many people in that, that auditorium are going to know what the difference is? Right? That, yeah, that, that's yeah. a point. That's a point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that's a point. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, and just one more before we go. I see they got Superhero Night. Alex, who's the superhero? Who are you dressing up as?
2: I don't want to give it away. Can I a different one instead? Okay, absolutely. absolutely.
4: Wonder, Wonder okay. Woman, come on.
2: So uh, I have been begging this team for about a decade now to do a Wizarding Night. Oh. And are I they was. Doing? They are indeed. Oh, it wow. is. It's right there. It's in January, and I actually did a whole podcast episode, if, if you'd like to go back yes. and find it, in the Syracuse Speaks um, playlist on what they could do for a Wizarding Night, because I didn't hmm. want to be begging for this thing and not give them any ideas. So I am extremely excited to have two of my most favorite things in the world. Um, obviously, the Knight's not branded because copyright, and I don't right. want them to get sued. But, uh, you know, having some Harry Potter Coming into oh. my hockey arena um, as a very proud Hufflepuff makes me extremely excited.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Ironically, they're playing the Cleveland Monsters that night, so perfect. It's so perfect. It, it really is, my precious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and and absolutely—that's the thing, right? It's not branded. That's right. So I, that's right. Gandalf, who cares? <laughs> Absolutely!
0: Oh boy. Well, Alex, this has been so much fun. Like I said, every time you're on the show, it, it just it, it's fun. I my sides hurt from laughing so much. It, it's <laughs> great. Uh, please tell us a little bit about the Syracuse Speaks podcast. Where we can find it? The whole works.
2: So Syracuse Speaks is available on all of the major podcasting platforms. You can find it on Google. I. Um, I Apple, sorry, Apple. Um, it's also on Amazon. You can find it anywhere you can get your podcasts. It's usually about a half an hour to forty-five minutes long, about twice a month. And I generally keep it to what's going on in Crunchland at that period in time. You know, I know that there's other podcasts out there that that throw it back a little bit, but mm-hmm. I keep it very much to the present and a little bit into the future. And any transactions, anything that's going on with the lightning, any upcoming games, theme nights, all of that kind of stuff. And every now and then I have guests on, although right now that's slightly on pause as I try to figure out some technical difficulties of, um, ironically enough, also going independent this past (laughs) summer. (laughs)
0: It's funny how that just keeps coming back around.
2: It does. Uh, So that, yeah, so that cut down a little bit on my resources. But once I figure that aspect out, uh, I will start having guests back on again, too.
0: That is awesome. And like I said, if you're a Syracuse Crunch fan or, heck, even just a hockey fan, do yourself a favor. Subscribe to this podcast. Follow this podcast. And as always, listen to it because it's always an awesome show. Alex, thank you. thank you so very much. We so appreciate it. And again, such a great time every time you're on.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I will come on whenever you are willing to listen to me just images in your head all
4: night long.
0: Absolutely, which, you
4: know... <laughs> Still, <laughs> I, the golf ball. I know, right? my this, nose. I, I,
0: yep. yep, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm that. not going to... I'm probably going to picture the Jack in the Box from the Island of Misfit <laughs> Toys doing it, too. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. bang! <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Well, anyways, thank you, Alex Ackerman, and thank you to Howard Dolgan for coming on the show tonight. So, for Dave the Save Warner, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on the Central New York Hockey Report.